You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Good morning all. How are we today? Excellent. I'm doing well, thank you. Someone called that out. I didn't see who, but thank you. I'm doing well. It's... um. It's wonderful to be here again on a beautiful Sunday, celebrating and worshipping together. Um, Steve sends his hello. He's off preaching at another church today. Um, And so, yeah, if you haven't met me yet, my name's Jonathan. I'm one of the elders here at the church, and it's my honour today to bring the word um, to you. So let's all start. Let's um, just dedicate this time to God um, and just pray for the next half an hour or so. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we can come together and hear from you today. Lord, we pray that you use this preacher, that it will be your words spoken and not my own. We pray, Lord, that you'll give us wisdom to understand what is being said and be humble enough to apply it to our life. We just pray your spirit will move in here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the middle of a series at the moment where... We have been talking about what it means to be part of the Church of Christ, Um, the Church of Christ as a whole. And and so a few weeks ago, Donna came to speak to us about the history of the Church of Christ and the fundamentals that the Church of Christ was built on, Um, talking about how at a time where where many churches were building amazing cathedrals and and giant buildings, the Church of Christ were building these tiny little huts uh, with little white fences, and everything was put into relationship and community. And then last week we had Steve come and speak to us and he talked about here at Burley, um, about our vision and our mission here at Burley. Um, And he went through a few different points. He talked about we uh, we gather, we grow, we go and we give. And so we gather in what we call our large tables here on a Sunday. It's our celebration service. It's our time where we come together as a community and we worship together. Uh, But we also gather in what we call our small tables. Our, our more intimate life groups, our, our groups where we get together and we, we dissect the Bible in more depth. We, we challenge each other, we question each other, and we sharpen each other. And we gather in discipleship as well, that one-on-one mentorship. Um, and in those ways, we also grow. We grow when we come to a church and we hear the word of God preached, and we grow when we meet with our brothers and sisters. We go in many different ways. Here at Burley, we have a lot of different avenues that we're communicating with, with those in our community. We, um, we're busier here on a Monday to Friday than we are on a Sunday. There's so many things going on, and that's our expression of going into the community, making sure that we're shining God's light in that place. And we give, firstly, in our, our tithes of worship, but we also give of our energy. We give of our time. We give of our, that sacrifice of, I would rather be doing something else. And so here at Burley, we, we have the, the vision statement. Our vision is to create an ever-expanding, welcoming family table, gathering around the truth and life of Jesus Christ and in his Holy Spirit. As we grow in faith and relationship, we aim to go forth in his ways inviting all to experience the transformative power of his love and spirit. And so today, we're going to continue on and we're going to look at more de- in more depth of what it means to be a member here at Burley Church of Christ and what it means to be a part of this church and this community. So the three points we're going to touch on is that the church is sacred, We're going to look at how we are made to serve 
in the church, and we're going to ask the question, am I willing to give back to God and serve him? So to start with, we're going to have a little analogy. Eli, I haven't teed this up with you, but I have got $15. It's my money, but I'm going to give that to you. Do you want to hold that for me? Okay, you just keep it safe. I'm giving that to you, and we'll talk about it later. Sound good? (laughs) Have you had $15 before? Is that a lot? (laughs) So, I'm not sure about you, but when I read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, I often read stories, and in my own human understanding, my own human wisdom, I feel as though sometimes the punishment that God gives isn't in line with the crime committed. And it's tough. Some of these examples, we have the Ark of the Covenant there in the top corner. So the Ark of the Covenant was the representation of Jesus' presence with sacred items inside. And there was rules about the Ark of the Covenant and how it was to be transported and who was allowed to touch it. And it was being towed along one day by the ox on this trolley. And as it hit a pothole, it was starting to rock. And Uzzah, in his haste and humanness, reached out and stopped it from falling. Seems pretty logical that it's better to hold it up than to let it fall onto the ground. Um, But he was not allowed to touch it. And he was killed for this. Another example would be Moses in Numbers 20. He'd been leading these people for a long time in the wilderness. They were frustrated and they were thirsty. And God said to speak to the rock and water will come forward. But instead he struck it out of frustration. And because of that, he wasn't allowed to enter into the promised land, that he was the leader guiding these people in. And then in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, who were struck down because they lied about how much money they had given. Everyone in the early church was selling their possessions and giving it to support the community and to support the poor. And these guys conspired together and they said, look, let's sell the property, but we'll tell them that we sold it for a little bit less. So we'll still give that all away, but we'll just hold on a little bit for ourselves. And this is the New Testament. Who hasn't exaggerated a little bit? To us, these punishments seem really extreme in our human understanding. But it's because we live in a world that is self-focused. And in a world that doesn't understand what it means for something to be sacred. We're in a self-centered world where we often think about ourselves. How am I going to benefit from this? Well, that's so unfair that that happened to me. Why does it always happen to me? We think about our own rights and we're not putting emphasis on God's rights. Remembering that he is not just the best human He's not the best of our race. He is different. He has a different set of rules. And these stories are there and they're supposed to teach us about sacred things. The Ark of the Covenant, his commandments, Holy Communion, his Holy Spirit, his sacred church. In these stories that we hear, it's about people who are rushing into 
a sacred thing or a sacred event. They were rushing into it in their own human spirit and they paid a price. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. We should actually be humbled by that because I know myself, I have done things that are far more irreverent than these guys did. So we need to be thankful for his mercy and we need to tread more carefully into sacred spaces and sacred matters. In Ecclesiastes it says, Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do is wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. There is no greater honour here on earth than to be part of God's church. When was the last time that you stopped and you were awestruck by the fact that we are part of Christ's body? In Ephesians it says, After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. There's this amazing scene in the Old Testament when they'd finished building this temple and they were gathering together to dedicate it to the Lord and, and they'd place the sacrifices up on the altar and then let's read through what happens. It says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not even enter the temple because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Can you imagine what that would have been like? This temple that you may have contributed to build, you may have been placing stones or dusting or whatever you may have done, or you may have just been looking at this as um, someone from the outside, and you've come along on the day to cut the ribbon and to dedicate it to the Lord, and fire comes down from heaven. The glory of God comes down from heaven. In the Bible, it says that the glory of God shines brighter than the sun. Now, the sun, which is over 150 million kilometres away, we still can't look at it with our eyes. It's still too bright to look at it. And it talks about the angels who are in God's presence. The high angels have to cover themselves with their wings because his glory shines too bright. And here is that glory falling down from heaven and people can't look at it. They fall to their knees and their face to the ground because that is what it's like to be in the presence of God. And as amazing as it would have been to stand there and to witness this, the New Testament tells us that there is something even better. We get to be that temple. We are a part of that temple. 
Peter describes us as living stones, and we're just another stone in that temple built on Jesus as the cornerstone. The cornerstone in an old building is the first block that's placed. It's the one that all others are built upon. It's often inscribed with something to commemorate that as the the start of the building. And that is Jesus, and we are all built on his foundation. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Many people get confused and think that the church is this building that we meet in or the program that we run. The church is the members. It is the people who follow Jesus Christ. And what I love about here at Burley is how little we spend on the building and how much we invest into people. We make sure that the space, the physical space is comfortable. We make sure that it's compliant and that it, um, it is safe to meet in. But we're not going to be spending money on smoke machines or better equipment that will attract people in because that's not what we're about. And so I want to ask you, is your view of the church as sacred as God intended it to be? Do you enter the church with a view that it is sacred? And if not, what needs to change? There's another amazing story in the Bible about when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. And after traipsing away in that desert, the dusty, dirty, sticky, dusty feet, He knelt down and he pulled off the disciples' shoes and he washed them one by one. This is a symbolic act because it's obviously dirty, it's gross, but it is a low role. It's not like he went and cooked a meal for someone. He went to the lowest role. And he said, because he is here to serve, not to be served. Have you ever thought about how you would react if you were in that room? I'm not sure about you, but... I wouldn't handle it very well. Um, some friends of ours have just been on a holy trip over in, over in the Holy Land, and I've been looking at these photos come up on their pages, and I'm actually awestruck thinking, Jesus could have leant on that rock. He could have swam in that lake. And I'm looking at photos of it. I've seen photos before, but it was something that my friends were there. It just seemed more real. And... To think that he has been there was awestruck. I was awestruck. Imagine actually being in his presence. I'd either be full of questions or weeping in the corner. I'm not sure which. And then to have him come and humble himself below me and washing my feet,
At the core of our faith lies this belief that the almighty God humbled himself to serve us and die for us. At the root of our calling is a command to imitate him by serving one another. After washing the disciples' feet, he commanded us to do the same. Yet on any given Sunday, or Monday to Saturday, which is true here at the church, how many of us show up to church eager to serve? It's not a secret that in the Western church, many people come to consume. We come to church, it's a place of rest, we've had a busy week, it's my time now to rest. And we're in a position where we accept this. The more people that come to consume, the more money that it's tied, the more staff we can bring on, and then those staff can do the work. It's an efficient system, but it's not the system that God designed. God wants us to resemble his son and to serve one another. So you may feel burdened by that sentence. You may feel like that's a weight. I don't want to do more work. You may just want to come to church with like-minded people, chat and worship. But God promises us in Acts 20 that those who give will be most blessed. Have you ever noticed that the people who seem to take the most are the most miserable? Those who are so focused on themselves, that's not fair to me. Why did he get that instead of me? Why does he get that house? When am I going to get that? It's always focused on myself and it's that inability to take our eyes off ourselves and put it on others that makes us miserable. We're always comparing. We have a saying in our house that the only reason we look into someone else's bowl is to check that they have enough because they always compare who's got more. It's always happening. But we change that mindset and we say, I'm looking in to see, have you got enough? Usually doesn't work, but we try. (laughs) And anyone who's spent any time in a third world nation will know that people with the least somehow have a joy that far surpasses ours. They've got something there. Without anything, they still have joy. But the beauty is that even if you feel burdened and even if you leave on a Sunday exhausted, which many of us do, and you're tired, The beauty is that if you are in a room full of people serving, it's no longer a burden. It's a joy to be a part of that. When you know that you are doing the Lord's work and blessing people, there is a joy. And we see this at Burley so often. The majority of people at this church come in knowing that they're rostered onto something or with a heart to say, what's missing, I can pick it up. I can help. It's amazing how many people come to this church and after only a few weeks, they've committed to working in our op shop during the week or they're on a roster to make coffees. There's a heart here that people want to serve and they want to bless the people around us. 
It's represented throughout the week when people give up a day of work to come and volunteer here. Or to come and minister to young mums who bring in their children on a Monday. Or to sort, fo- sort and fold clothes in the op shop. Or to cook meals. Not to just give away food, but to actually cook and give our best. Home-cooked meals, not just frozen things that we bought. They make food. It's not glamorous work, but it's servant work. And here at Burley, we, the intention is not to be attractive in what we can offer you in that worldly sense. We're not trying to make our worship the best in the world as far as the show. We're not trying to have the beautiful sanctuary. We want to allow people to come in and see humble people serving. A community that supports each other and loves each other and serves each other. A community that is wholeheartedly dedicated to honouring God, to serving him with everything that we've got. And while many churches are hiring more staff or building bigger programs, we want to empower people. We've actually been pulling staff hours back to allow people to step into that gap. And we allow people to use their spiritual gifts and their experience to serve God and serve people the way that God intended it. The early church was known as a group of forgiveness and reconciliation, a group that gave away and sold everything to support each other and their communities. But this comes with sacrifice. It is hard work. It means that our leaders are stretched. It means that Lockie, our youth pastor, doesn't have a youth hall anymore because it's an op shop. It means that Jess has to move all these chairs after church on a Sunday because this is the only space kids can play on a Monday. Or if she's maybe bought some resources out of her own money, and because we're so cramped for space, they've been uh, uh, misinterpreted as a donation and they've been sold in our op shop. It's happened many times. It means that the boys have to come in and work on older technology and try and get the sound right and give up their Sunday off to serve here in the box. Or the many people who get on the coffee machine who would rather be talking to other people. It means the people coming in and cooking meals together every week, hundreds of meals in a small kitchen. It's the people who sit down and talk with the broken people people who need to just chat with someone and cry, to give them a coffee and just to give them 15 minutes of your time. Eli, how's that money feeling? Have you started thinking what you might buy with it? No? Nice. If I was to ask for it back, would you want to give it back to me? You would? Really? I gave that to you. That's your money. (laughs) <laughs> Sully, you want the money? What, it, what about if I said you can keep it all but maybe give part of it back? Would you want to do that? 
Yeah? Which one can I have back? You sure? It's your money. You don't have to give any. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's extremely generous of you. Thank you. He gave me five bucks back. Thank you. That is, that is very, very generous of you. And I probably pushed you more because your first instinct was, you can have it all. Your first instinct was, have it all. And as silly as that little metaphor is, we need to understand that when we are serving, we're giving God what is already his. We're giving back to God what is already his. Our time is from him. Our money is from him. Our health, our energy, our attention, it is all from him. And as followers of Christ, we acknowledge that when we became a Christian, we gave that all to him. We don't serve to gain our salvation. That was done by Jesus. And we don't serve just to have the good feeling that naturally comes from helping people. We serve because that is what God has asked us to do. And he set that example through Jesus. And the good thing is, every single person has been empowered and equipped to serve, even when we don't feel able. Every single person here has been given the gifts by God that they can serve. How often do you feel not good enough to serve? Or maybe that someone else could do it better than you? How often do you look at the, the service jobs of, of preaching or, or leading a ministry or running the op shop, all these great noble things and think, oh, I, I would never be able to do that. How often do you get stuck and only want to serve in one area even though you know God is calling you to another? So a couple of questions to ponder. Do I enter this church with a heart to serve God and people? Remembering that the church is not this building, this community. On a Sunday morning, or on a Monday night if you're meeting at a small table, or on a Wednesday night if you're going to the surf club to have a steak. How am I preparing my heart as I enter into this church to serve God? Our vision is to create an ever-expanding, welcoming family table gathering around the truth and life of Jesus Christ and in his Holy Spirit. As we grow in faith and relationship, we aim to go forth in his ways, inviting all to experience the transformative power of his love and spirit. So practically, how can I serve here at Burley? If you are a part of this church, if this is your home church, how can I get involved? The very first thing is to prepare your heart Dedicate it to God and ask him for help. Ask him to point out, what areas am I holding back? What areas am I doubting myself, even though you created me and you did not make a mistake? You have given me the gifts to serve, even if I don't feel able. 
and then come and talk to someone. Take that practical step of, I feel called to serve here, I'm going to talk to someone about that. Not because we need more people, but because God has commanded us to serve one another. Another thing you can do as a practical step is to become an official member here at the church. We have these booklets at the back if you're interested in that. I want to point out that membership of a church to me is a funny concept. It is not biblical in any sense. It does not come with any discounts or promotions or anything like that. What it does do is it's a tangible step in you making a commitment to a group. It's a tangible step in you becoming an official part of this church. You can be an official part of this church without membership, of course. And some people do not want to become a member, and that is completely fine. But it is a tangible step in becoming a part of this church. It's like taking that step forward and saying, yep, I'm committing to this. Another thing it does is it gives you an active voice in the church. We're coming up to our AGM, and only members are allowed to vote at an AGM. And so it gives our members the chance to have an active say in the leadership, the vision, and the direction of the church. Voting on things like who our pastor will be, who our elders will be. Do we agree with the budget that's been put forward? The practical steps that we need. And so becoming a member allows you to have that vote. But it also just keeps you up to date with what's going on in our church. And then prepare your heart. What are you asking me to do, Lord? Is there something tangible that you would like me to use my gifts for here in the church? Whether it's a gift of time, energy, money. Are you calling me to disciple someone? I've had a long journey following with you, Lord. Let me now take someone on who's maybe a bit younger than I am or newer to faith and let me mentor them. Let me disciple them. Is he asking you to join or maybe start a small table in your home or here at the church? Our small tables are just small groups who meet together regularly and open the word. It's the idea that we can continually grow, continually sharpen each other. Is he calling you to encourage and support our leaders and other people who are still serving here in the church? I'm going to leave these questions on the board just for you to reflect on and to think through. Do I enter this church with a heart to serve God and serve people? How can I prepare my heart to serve? Is your view of the church as sacred as God intended it to be? And if not, what needs to change? Now, I've got a small little token here. Here it is. A tiny little puzzle piece with a rope attached. And Anne and our wonderful supporters have all uh, put together a bunch of these, so there's one for everyone to take home. And it's a small little reminder that you are a piece of that sacred church. You are a part of that body. 
a living stone. So take it, put it on your keys, it'll get destroyed on your keys, maybe hang it on your mirror in your car, or put it somewhere where you can just be reminded that I am an important part. Sometimes I don't feel important, sometimes I feel inferior, but God has designed me and welcomed me into that sacred community and he has empowered me and commanded me to serve, no matter what my age, no matter what my experience. So in the next song, I'm going to ask Chelsea and, and maybe Sully, you could help too. They're going to come round and pass all these out. Feel free to take one. If they don't get round in time, come and see them. They'll just be down the front or getting around to everyone. But take one of those and put it somewhere where you can be reminded that you are an important part of this church and our job is to serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you now humbly. And we thank you so much that we can be a part of your body, that sacred community, that church that you have designed for a purpose to glorify you. And Lord, we know that your glory is incredible. It shines brighter than the sun. And to know that we can be a part of that and that we have you living inside us is just incredible. Help us not to forget that or to rush into things that are sacred, but to hold our tongue and to be in awe of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.